That's right, I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's January 20th, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you want to join us in the community for questions, comments, and other thoughts and such, join us at rubinreport.locals.com. We're actually doing a community Q&A today, uh, but we will start. I figured we had to finish the week the way we started the week with just a destruction and implosion and attack and assault on these uh, World Economic Forum nut jobs. Uh, so let's just get right into it. So Klaus Schwab, you all know Klaus Schwab. He is in charge of this World Economic Forum. He has the scariest accent ever. You know, David said something interesting to me. Interesting to me. He was watching one of my clips. He doesn't watch much of what I do here because he hears me babble on about this stuff during dinner. So he doesn't need to watch the show. Uh, but he saw a clip, I guess, somewhere of me talking about Klaus Schwab. And he said, you know, Klaus Schwab's accent is like a, it's almost like a cartoon version of if you were trying to come up with the scary evil villain accent. So we always say he's like a cartoon villain, he's like Palpatine, but are there other people that have the exact same accent as Klaus Schwab? I don't think so. I think they created him to have the scariest, most obviously ridiculous accent possible. Anyway, Klaus Schwab is at the WEF and he gets to, you know, he not only gives the opening speech and he gets to eat all the fancy food, but he goes on these panels and he's very, very excited about this. It's very nice to see an excited megalomaniac. He's very excited that they're gonna implant microchips in our brains and know everything that you're thinking. Videotape. Uh, medical and biological progress and advancing very fast. But can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react, or I can feel uh, how the people react um, to your answers. Uh, is it imaginable? Klaus, Klaus, I don't need an implant to figure out how I react to what you're saying. You're evil. I don't want your implant. Nobody wants your implant. Do the people even in that audience want his implant so that when they listen to him, they can all collectively think about who likes what he said and who doesn't like what he said? These people want to take us down to a road of cybernetic hell. I do not want to be locked into their matrix and have my carbon body used as a battery. I don't think you do either. But what's more interesting about it isn't like, I like all the sci-fi stuff. Like I like thinking about those things. And there are incredibly cool things on the horizon. I'm not anti-science. I'm not anti-technology by any, by any measure. You know, there are, there are wild things happening right now and you can't stop science one way or another. You have to hopefully respect it, hopefully look at it in a holistic way. And uh, what was the line, the other line from Jurassic Park? They, they were so concerned about how they never asked why, or is it they were so concerned about why they never asked how? What was that line? Somebody help me on this one. They, they were so concerned about how, wait, we gotta get this one right. I don't, I don't Jeff Goldblum, I no they were so concerned about whether they could, they, never, they should have asked whether they shouldn't. Come on, we can do this together, guys. They were so, uh, whether, whether they, whether or not they, could. they were so concerned about whether or not they could, they, they never stopped to think if they should. That's teamwork right there. 
And that's what these people are doing, right? Like, okay, yes, maybe we'd be able to implant chips in people's brains. Maybe we can, so we could, uh, but should we? Are we gonna be happier after? Is any of this making us any happier? But again, I'm not anti-science. You know, you could take, let's say a woman who is completely infertile, right? Like her, her uterus will not uh, allow for a pregnancy. And now you could have artificial wombs outside of the body. Like there's something interesting there. There's, there's ethical issues. I, I get all those things, but like, we shouldn't be fearing the future in that way, but we should be fearing the people who wanna steer us into a future that is more controlled. Because once you swallow the pill that has the uh, experimental chip in it, or they inject it into you, or they lodge it in your brain, or they bash you in the face with it, or whatever they do, uh, it will be about controlling you, obviously. So if you wanna understand how it will be about controlling you, and Klaus is very excited that, you know, people in the audience, he'll immediately know what they're thinking because he said something and then some weirdo light goes off in his brain. Uh, former British Prime Minister, Tony Blair, he's another one, he's a big globalist too, he's another one at the World Economic Forum, uh, and uh, he wants to bring the digital infrastructure to your country so that they can monitor whether you've been vaccinated or not. You need to know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't been. Some of the vaccines that will come on down the line will be multiple, there'll be multiple shots. So you've got to have, for, for reasons to do with the healthcare more generally, but certainly for uh, a pandemic or for, um, for, for vaccines, you've got to have a proper digital infrastructure. And many countries don't have that. In fact, most countries don't have that. No, you don't, Tony, you little Mickey Mouse looking weirdo. No, you don't. Uh, you don't have to have that. How insane is it that as we are literally right now, every day we find out more and more about how the vaccines didn't work, how there are all sorts of vaccine injuries and heart problems and everything else. Shouldn't that be what they're talking about? Like if these people really cared about the world, they really cared about humanity, wouldn't they be talking about, boy, we have uh, Albert Borla here from Pfizer and we've got the Moderna guy and we've got all these world leaders who, you know, locked people at home and forced people out of jobs and you know didn't let grandma die peacefully uh, with the family around her. We just threw her into a ditch in the name of science or something. You Wouldn't they be going, guys, let's have a meeting to see what we did wrong here. Uh, see how it is possible that these giant pharmaceutical companies screwed up everything and lied to everybody and that our communication and they could even do it in a way that wasn't all blaming on them. They could say, boy, we never faced anything like COVID before and we all got a little ahead of ourselves and whatever. But instead, they're trying to figure out more ways to control us after the next magical pandemic comes. And they did learn a lesson. They really did learn a lesson during the last pandemic that people will behave. And not only will people behave as they wish, people will rat out their neighbors, people will punch strangers. Remember all the videos during the height of COVID? These were my favorite videos. When you see someone at a store someone's not wearing a mask, and then the mask person is chasing the not mask person to tell tattletale on them. Like they're so supposed to be so afraid of COVID. Wouldn't you be running the other way, generally? You know, at the height of COVID, I think I told the story once, when we were still living in LA, I was at Costco. And Costco during COVID was just particularly like, a, Costco's always sort of like a very crazy place to be in general, but it was like particularly nutty because everyone was just trying to get as much shit as they possibly could. And I was trying to buy a brisket and I'm standing there and they got a lot of meat and I'm in the brisket thing and you had to wear a mask and I walked in without the mask, I got yelled at, I put the mask on but I always put it beneath my nose and sometimes even beneath my mouth and I'm looking at the brisket and the thing's beneath my nose and this woman comes up to me and she's like, you know, the mask doesn't work if it's beneath your nose. And I was like, oh, is that right? Thank you so much, thank you lady, thank you. And then I didn't, I didn't move it up 
And then she gave me like the evil eye. And the evil eye, when you also have a mask on, is like a double evil eye because you mask, you, it's all so bananas, horrible. But anyway, Klaus Schwab wants to inject something in your brain. And then this little Mickey Mouse guy wants the government to be able to track all of your updated vaccines. Do you think that is to free you? Do you think that is because they care about you and want to keep you safe from diseases? Or do you think it's because they want to control you? What do you think? You win a prize if you get it. Uh, but it continues. Here's a video of the director of the FBI right now. His name's Christopher Ray. He's over there. Not sure what he's doing there. I thought he was supposed to be over here in America. I'm sure we have something he could be doing, right? They're some pushing papers across the desk or something. Uh, but here he is talking about how private and public collaboration has made great strides to basically watch us. And I think the, uh, the sophistication of the private sector is, is improving and, and particularly important, the level of collaboration between the private sector and the government, especially the FBI, has, I think, uh, made significant strides. Pretty much every technology we could talk about today, uh, we see both great opportunity but great, great dangers uh, in the wrong hands. I have to say that I wish that the director of the FBI wasn't evil. That's not a fun thing, you know, the director of the FBI. But there he is basically saying that everything that we've talked about here for months related to Elon Musk, who is completely against the WEF, by the way, and making fun of it every day on Twitter, that everything that he has released with the Twitter files is true, that there is a public-private partnership. The FBI is involved, and they are interested in stifling misinformation, which is really also known as truth, and that they're working together, and it seems to be getting stronger, and he's very happy about it. That seems, as the kids say, problematic. Let's do a little Ruben Report community Q&A for you. Daniel says, have you heard about the hockey player that didn't want to wear a rainbow jersey during warmups on Pride Night in Philadelphia? The reaction on Twitter is the Seinfeld episode where Kramer refuses to wear the ribbon. Yes, I did hear about this. The guy obviously should not be forced to wear the thing. And he was willing to play in the game, from what I understand. He just didn't want to wear the pin. You shouldn't have to be forced to wear any pin. You shouldn't be forced to wear an, uh, an American flag pin. And you shouldn't be forced to wear a BLM pin or a gay pin. A gay brooch, I guess, would be better than a pin. Uh, you just shouldn't be forced to wear any of these things. Obviously, he has his own beliefs. He doesn't. He said, I respect everybody. That's what the guy said. He said, I respect everybody. I respect everyone. Uh, I have my own personal religious beliefs. Uh, and I'm just not going to participate in this. That should be completely fine. But they want as they want with everything. They want your complete capitulation. They want you to live on your knees forever. There's a funny gay joke there. You can make it yourself. That's what these people want and you should not bow to them. You could probably figure out a gay joke there too. It just never ends with these puns. Um, yes, and it is the rainbow, uh, sorry, it is the uh, flag, no, not the rainbow flag. Yeah, the rainbow ribbon, it's the ribbon. It is the ribbon episode of Seinfeld where he goes to the AIDS march and he's there. He's like, I'm here, I'm supporting, but he just doesn't want to wear the ribbon. You must wear the ribbon. It literally is that episode come to real life. Uh, it is life imitating art, imitating life. Tony says, uh, what kind of hair products do you use to get that amazing look? Phoenix, do you think I can give them the, the full hair breakdown? Should I unleash the Kraken on these people and tell them? Uh, I will tell you one thing, one little uh, secret. Well, first off, since I've been here in Florida, I have not been thrilled with my stylist. I haven't, until a few weeks ago, I brought in an Italian stylist from California, who's hopefully moving here to Florida, maybe one of these days. Great haircut, I'm feeling very good about the hair right now. Uh, and now we've got someone else coming in. That's all I can say about that right now. I've been sworn to secrecy. Uh, 
but we have a standing every third Monday haircut for me here. But I will say one thing, I use a dry texturizing spray and that's what's gonna give you the oomph. That's what's gonna give you the oomph. There's a school of thought out there that says you should be using more gel. And I'm gonna take it under advisement, we're gonna talk about it. Uh, but that's what I have to say about that. Michaela says, hey Dave, I'm living in the middle of Europe watching America hoping that the lights go on. You give me hope. Do you feel that we are coming to a watershed moment concerning the recognition of all the lies and fake versus what is really going on? I somewhat feel we are coming closer. They say a lot of invited WEF guests did not come this year or left early. I mean, basically what you're asking is, is there really an awakening happening? And it's, man, it's hard. It's really hard to tell. Like if I was to just go by what I do here daily for a living and the life that I lead in Florida and the people that I'm around and my audience and the explosion of growth that we've seen on the show across every platform and everything else. It's like, boy, there's a whole bunch of other people that are paying attention to a lot of this stuff. And obviously I'm not the only person uh, talking about these things. There are plenty of other people uh, doing it and, and that's really wonderful, right? really is. Um, is there a mass awakening? I think that something has shifted where you seem completely ridiculous if you think that what the mainstream is giving you is truth. I think that that concept right there has gone sort of mainstream. Like if you met someone, really think about this, if you just met someone, you know, you're, you're sitting at a bar and you start chatting to the person next to you. Do people still do that? I used to do that a while ago. People still do that. You just start chatting to the guy next to you and he's like, oh, I was watching CNN this evening and they played a clip of Eric Swalwell and by golly, uh, Kevin McCarthy's a really mean man. You'd be like, you're completely insane. But it's also completely insane that anyone would say that to you or that anyone would admit watching CNN. So I do think something has turned and I think in some ways that's why the rhetoric of the WEF seems so crazy because they have to ramp up the crazy to ramp up the scary. It's why the government's always trying to scare you about COVID because it's not, because people are tuning out. And I think that maybe the greatest silver lining to all of the lunacy of the last couple of years and all of the COVID craziness is that people did start thinking about their lives differently. I certainly know that I did. And I put a lot of that into action and into the ideas of what I talk about here, but literally picking up and moving across the country. Um, and I think a lot of people are feeling some degree of that. You know, this mass migration thing all over the country makes people think about it, right? Why does nobody move to California? Why do 1,200 people move to Florida a day? A day, that's an awful lot of people. It's because people have had some degree of an awakening. So yeah, I, I think we have to, whether it's fully true or not, I think we have to kind of believe that it's true so that we can make it true. I think it's something like that. Uh, Arnie says, do you think if President Trump goes back on Twitter, people will lose their shit? Well, it sounds like Trump's coming back and apparently he may be allowed back on, on Facebook. So he technically is on Twitter now. So when Elon got Twitter, he did unlock the account. Trump did not use the account yet, but now over the last couple of days, people are saying he is gonna start using it again. There are some questions as to whether legally he can use it because you know he's got Truth Social, which is basically a, a, a Twitter clone. And he obviously has a lot of financial interests there and I'm sure they have some exclusivity things and he might be battling that out with the lawyers right now. I, I don't know. Uh, but as to whether people will go bananas, of course, of course, this is gonna be proof Elon bought the thing to allow the white supremacists to run around and the orange man is back and badness is spreading across the galaxy. Yeah, they're gonna make everyone freak out. And uh, frankly, I'd like him back. I mean, I, I think the, generally speaking, the more voices, the better. And even if there are genuinely bad people out there, and I obviously don't include Trump in that, 
Uh, they should be on there. If you're directly threatening somebody or you're posting child porn or something like that, you obviously should not be on there and the, the, they should deal with you uh, according to the law. Um, but if you just wanna say mean things, people can block you or mute you or ignore you and that's what it is. Uh, Amy says, if you knew your time on earth was up in a week, what would you do with those final days? Ooh, do you know something I don't know? Uh, <laughs> was that a threat, Amy? Um, what would I do, what would I do? I mean, really, I guess I would just, uh, well, I'd probably keep doing the show. You guys wanna do the show if this is it? If we got one week left? Yeah. Sometimes on the weekends we come back, I'm like, I'm like Phoenix, how was the weekend? He's like, I really wanted to go to work. You wanna start working on the weekends? I can't be here, but you could be here. Yeah, I guess I would kind of do the show. I'd talk you guys through the end of the world. I'd probably have the kids with me. That would be fun. I could have Justin here and Luke here. We could do like a different kind of show as the world came to an end. That, that would be, but well, what else am I gonna do? Like, I'd get in the pool, I guess. Uh, maybe, you know. I, oh, you know what I would do? I've got a Japanese A5 Wagyu ribeye sitting downstairs in the garage in our, so we have a, a chest of breast milk and there is one piece of meat in there. David put that Wagyu in there because he knew that if he put a frozen Wagyu in there, that I would go in there and make sure that the breast milk was not defrosting all the time, that you know we didn't have like a power shortage and that thing was out. So I do go in there once a day, I check on my Wagyu and I make sure the breast milk is frozen. So I would eat the Wagyu, I'd have the kids here, we do a show and I guess we drink some tequila. X House says, hey Dave, you seem pretty business savvy for a comedian. Did you go to college? If so, what school and what did you study? Congrats on all the local success. Thanks, you know, the, the business part of me is, is sort of bizarre in a way because I did not think I was gonna be a businessman in any way and I ended up running two pretty freaking successful companies, which is odd, but I guess an extension of just the stuff that I talk about here and I just kind of built things that I felt were necessary to be built and I was like, why doesn't other people, why don't other people build these things? And then I was like, nobody's doing it. I guess I'll do it, right? Like that, that's something. That's really how locals started, especially. Um, I did go to college. I went to SUNY Binghamton in New York, SUNY State University of New York at Binghamton. Binghamton is generally considered uh, the best state school in New York. So it was very cheap to get into. It was like nine grand a year or something like that. And my dad was very clear to me. He said, I remember I was, I guess, a junior in high school. And I kind of wanted to go to Syracuse. Syracuse is actually up in upstate New York, kind of about an hour away from Binghamton. And I wanted to go to Syracuse because I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I wanted to be on like SportsCenter or something like that. And Marv Albert had gone there and I think Bob Costas went there and a bunch of SportsCenter guys went there. And uh, it, was like, it was like 25 grand a year. And now it's something like 65 grand a year. And my dad was clear, he was like, look, if you go to a state school, I don't care which one you go to, but if you go to a state school, we'll take care of the bill. Uh, but if you go to a private school, it's on you. I think he said that they would cover the state school portion of it, like so they'd throw nine grand to it, something like that, but I'd have to co cover the rest. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna go to the state school. Uh, I was a poli-sci major at Binghamton University, believe it or not. Now, I did come out a lefty, so I'm not sure how great the education was. I probably smoked a little too much pot, to be quite frank. Uh, terrible glaucoma up there in uh, upstate New York. Um, but, uh, but then I made it out, and then somehow along the way, I had my political awakening started talking about the things that I cared about. People like you guys started watching and then, and then the locals thing was really like, we've got a problem here with big tech, I'm gonna build something. And uh, as I've said many times, you know, had I known how difficult it was gonna be and the amount of hours I was gonna spend on it and the fundraising and the traveling and the Zoom calls repeating the same things over and over and over to all these people so you could raise funds to keep the company going for another day and having to throw my own money in and you don't do anything at a, at a startup, you're not making money for a long time. Uh, I don't even know that I would have done it, but we did it 
and and it worked. Obviously, we merged with Rumble and we've built something that's, that's really cooking right now, so it's awesome. Uh, Kelly says, how is it that the media and Hollywood celebs are all liberal? I get that they aren't the sharpest tools in the shed, but do you think they're all actually okay with what's happening in the country? They do see we are going to hell in a handbag, right? You know, first off, I don't know that they're all actually liberal in that sense, right? Like I think that most of them are, let's say, socially liberal, sure. So they're liberal in, in let's say, the regards of gay marriage or something, which again, nobody cares about anymore. Or, or maybe they're more liberal on, on, let's say, abortion, right? Those would be the big two. But in terms of how they live their lives, you think that Hollywood, rich Hollywood celebrities like paying taxes? Trust me, they are doing everything possible, every trick in the book to make sure that they are paying the least amount of taxes. I think most of them, unfortunately, what happens is, you know, the cult of, of celebrity creates a certain set of people that don't really think about the big issues. They just wanna be liked more than anything else. You know, Adam Carolla was on my show and had a good line about this. And Adam, Adam's more entrenched, he still lives in LA, more entrenched in Hollywood than I ever was, even though I did live there. Um, what he said was, you know, if you're an actor, and even if you're a comic, a pretty good comic, and comics are more a dime a dozen than an actor, you know, you can be replaced very easily. Like there's, there's no actor that can't be replaced. If you took uh, Tom Hanks, you know, Forrest Gump, it's like he was pretty damn good in Forrest Gump. But if Tom Hanks had been unavailable, they could have got Harrison Ford, right? They could have. And it would have been roughly the same movie. Something like that. These people are all replaceable. So what happens is when you have a whole bunch of people that they don't really produce anything. Uh, not to say that they aren't talented. They're obviously good actors and they're obviously brilliant singers and, and musicians and artists and all that. But when you take a bunch of people that are very replaceable, they will always give to the system what the system wants because uh, you can't fight the system when you know that you're a replaceable part of that system. So that was another reason that I really wanted to get the hell out of LA and, and remove, you know, stop working with agents and all that stuff. I was just like, it's not that it was all inherently evil. It was just like, I don't need that. I, I would rather build my own thing. So I don't know that they're all uh, super lefty liberal. I think they just play it up for that. And by the way, there are plenty of Hollywood conservatives. I mean, you know of some, right? Whether it's Gary Sinise or John Voight or you know, some other people, Rob Schneider, a couple other people, but there are plenty of others that are on the DL. And the problem is they're on the DL because they feel like they're not gonna get work if you got it. Uh, Snowbaby says, is there a milestone you're looking forward to with the, boy, the boys reaching if they have not already? What is it? I was excited first for the giggles and laughter. Now I'm looking forward to the wee one walking on their own. Oh, it sounds like you have kids about the same age. Um, I mean, the laughing thing is great. Like Justin is just laughing constantly. And in the last couple of days, Luke is starting to laugh and I'm doing all sorts of silly things with him. I never, I don't baby talk him, but I do a lot of funny accents with them and I, I kind of poke and prod and move them around and put it, and I build a lot of pillow forts. I'm very good at pillow forts, blanket forts. I'm gonna be very good at that sort of, you know, we got some kind of, we're under attack, the aliens are coming to get us, we gotta build a fort, that thing. Um, is there anything I'm looking forward to? I guess that, that the, those first few words, you know, like, I guess Dada, that, that would be a good one on the milestone front. Like, that'll, that'll really be something. Um, but right now, it's like they're, they're really in a, a good zone and, and they're healthy, most importantly, and they're happy. And it's a lot, uh, you know, it's, the sleeping isn't great and, uh, for us, at least. I think it's okay for them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all good. Uh, Margo says, you've shown that you have a very practical nature, but we all have our own vision of a perfect world. That being said, what's your version of utopia, especially for you and your family? Well, 
unfortunately, I don't believe in, in a true utopia, like that we can, as a society, get to a place that everything is this perfect utopia. I think, unfortunately, on the way to that, you end up with dystopia, right? Like all of the people at the World Economic Forum, they wanna get us to this digital utopia where you'll own nothing and, and be happy or something. And I just don't believe that exists. However, I do believe happiness exists. And you can have these brief moments in life when you get it. And I think um, in the last couple weeks, I've seen a, a, a new version of that. Like almost, a, it's something like, my life was like a little black and white before these kids. And now it's like coming into full color. Like there's, there's something that I can't quite explain, but if you're a parent, I suppose you probably get it. It's like an unsaid thing. You just start realizing there is a richness here. You could see the world in a little bit of a better way. I think I've been a little bit better on the show actually because I'm seeing things a little bit differently. I also feel that the fight is worth having a little bit more because I have to fight for something beyond me. Like there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but a perfect day is, uh, well at, at the moment, I'll give you a perfect day on a Saturday right now. A perfect day is if the kids take good naps and that means I can get one nap and David could get one nap, and, uh, and I get to cook a nice meal at night, and uh, we could hang out in the hot tub, and I can have a little sipping tequila, and we take a nice walk with Clyde. Like, that's good enough for me. I don't need anything else. I really don't. Uh, hey, Dave, what is your advice to one of your sons when they come to you in 20 years and say, Dad, I want to be a stand-up comedian? Oh, man. You sick son of a bitch. Um, it's a tough life. It's a tough, tough life. I mean, I don't know that stand-up comedy in that in the way we know stand-up comedy now will even exist then. Like the way digital things are, and that anyone can become famous overnight with this thing. Like maybe that art will. You know, I think spoken word art will always exist as long as humans are allowed to speak, which is very contrary to what the WF is pushing these days. Um, but well, I put it this way: I would hope that whatever my kids said to me you know, I wanna be a stand-up comedian or I wanna be a doctor or I wanna be a ditch digger, I hope I would encourage them to follow what their dreams are. I, I hope that I'll be able to do that. Like, I hope it's not something that's, so I hope they're not like, Daddy, I wanna be a diversity, equity, and inclusion therapist. That would be a problem. Daddy, I wanna be a, a drag queen for kids. That would be a problem. Give me one more. What, what would be another one I wouldn't be happy with? Daddy, I wanna be a professional soccer player. I wouldn't like that either, I don't like soccer. But beyond that, it's like, yeah, I would hope that whatever they came to me with, that I would, I, hopefully I would be interested enough to wanna help the journey, whatever that means, and I've given them the tools to, to go out and do it. Uh, Sweetwater says, what's your favorite conspiracy theory that you're reasonably sure is not true? Um, you know, it's funny, I've been watching a lot of, what, wait, what, what do you have? What? Oh. <laughs> We actually all have a friend who we went to dinner with not too long ago who was like the most bananas conspiracy theorist ever and was saying stuff that if I was even to say on this show, I would be removed from human society altogether. Um, a conspiracy theory, one of them is, um, you know, I could do like the aliens and all that stuff, but like who really built the pyramids? Uh, I went to Egypt, to Cairo in I think 1997. I was 21 years old, uh, spent a couple of days in Cairo and you go to these pyramids and when you see the, the, the massive, blocks that they built and the height of these things and that you think they did this thousands of years ago. How the hell did they do this? Now, if you were to, I think a lot of people think that basically it's the, it's the story of Passover, it's the story of the Bible. The Hebrews did this thing, right? The slaves were doing it. But the idea that even if there were hundreds of thousands of slaves 
all pulling these, like how the hell did they do it? And there's all sorts of theories on how they moved the, uh, the blocks and all that stuff. Some people say it is the aliens using some sort of magnet technology to move the things and all that. But if it was the Hebrews, it's kind of fun to think that my like great, 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 grandfather was, you know, out there pulling the block, building the pyramid, something like that. Kathy says, have you started writing your third book? What will the general theme be? I haven't started yet. Uh, I've scribbled down a couple ideas and a couple notes. And the thing is when I'm, when I'm traveling more, that's usually when I have a little more time to write and like sketch out the ideas and all that. And obviously with the kids, I haven't been traveling as much. I've done a little bit of stuff here in Florida. Um, so I haven't really put it all together yet, um, but there will be a third book for sure. If anything, I miss the touring more than anything else. Like I, I loved, loved, loved being on the road last year. Like it was just so great. And it was also because that was when the country was really just opening up and they got masks off the planes and all that stuff. And just being out there and seeing people again was great. Um, so yeah, we're, I got I gotta figure it out. Can you put it in my calendar, write a book? Okay, thanks. Uh, Florida Man Chuck says, have you watched the Tim Pool interview with Matt Gates? If so, what was the most surprising thing to learn? You must have missed our show on, uh, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday this week. We played a couple clips of that, yeah. So Matt Gates, congressman uh, from Florida, he was on Tim Pool's podcast. They did like their, their two hour thing. Uh, and there were a couple great clips in there where he really talks about the underbelly of how DC works or does not work, depending on which way you look at it. And I think that, look, overall, I would say Gates has done a nice job being the outsider in the system, right? Like he, I think, has pushed McCarthy to probably be a little bit better. And the simple fact is McCarthy is being better right now. The Republicans are pushing the right thing. Just a few little things, you know, as you know, they're getting rid of the 87,000 IRS agents. They're cutting the funding on them. They're opening up the house again so people can get back in there and watch the debates. We're gonna do a locals event there. We're gonna announce that we're going to DC. We'll meet a whole bunch of you. We'll go to the Capitol. I'll see if we can get a meeting with McCarthy or maybe Jim Jordan or Ted Cruz or somebody, maybe a couple people. We'll, we'll do a lunch. We'll spend a day in DC. We'll go to the monuments, all that stuff. I can't wait to do that. So stay tuned if you're, if you're in the locals community. Um, he's having members, they have to come back and vote, right? No more proxy voting, no more vote by text, any of that stuff. They're starting to look into China, right? So they are starting to do things. And I think a lot of that comes from the Gates wing of this, that we have to be a little more hardcore. So I think that that's totally good. Uh, Justin says, what is at the core of the people's blind eye of the Biden family's corruption? You know, I think a lot of things are that people are just trying to live their lives. People think that politics is so whacked, and in some respects, they're so right, that there's no conspiracy or scandal or nonsensical event at this point that could shock you. Like, what could shock you anymore? If you woke up tomorrow morning and they were like, actually, it turns out that, yes, Joe Biden is a lizard person. He was uh, given a speech and his skin was a little dry that day and his face fell off and there was a lizard person under there and we've been under the rule of lizard people. Would it be that shocking? It wouldn't be, right? So I think part of it is that everything is so nutty that a lot of people are just checked out. Um, and I think the other thing is that, you know, way too many people, unfortunately, and we all know them, uh, they, they made their whole worldview sort of, if Trump believes one thing, I believe something else. So I think that that still sits with people. So right now, even though they think, most people think that Biden has some level of dementia or something. Most people think he do, he's not really competent, doesn't really know what's going on. Most people think the radical left has gone too far. But because they, they've decided to define everything by Trump behind that, 
they just let it slide. They just let it slide. I think it becomes a blind spot to them. It's, it's, uh, it's why you have to believe in something other than politics. And then, and then politics can fit within whatever you believe because otherwise you will just be endlessly crazy and, and you will be crazily partisan. And it's funny because, look, I'm, I, I'm a registered Republican since I'm here in Florida. Obviously, I think the Republicans are a much better party. Obviously, I think most conservative ideas are better than whatever the leftist um, nonsense of the day is. But in a weird way, I don't consider myself partisan at all. I, I, I'm actually not truly partisan. I have differences with Republicans for sure. And as I always say, the Republicans will fail us too. So you, you, wanna, you wanna support people uh, based on an honest position and an assessment of the issues, not just because they got the, the R or the D next to their name. Uh, Nate says, Dave, can you tell us if Locals, Rumble, slash Rubin Report has any plans to get into the original content arena like feature films, for example? Uh, yes, absolutely we do, and we've done a couple things. You know, Dinesh D'Souza released 2,000 Mules first on Locals, and he did incredibly well there. I mean, millions and millions of dollars. Tons of people bought it there. Uh, I released my first stand-up special on Locals. We're releasing more docs on Locals. We're trying to figure out how to go a little more into that direct content thing where basically, each person's locals community would give you access to a whole other set of a whole other library of content, whether it's documentaries or series or standups or movies, whatever it might be. We're, we're building out a lot of those things. Um, and, and trust me, the, the Rumble team is working on uh, rehauling the, the UI over there which as you've probably noticed has already gotten better. Uh, we've updated a whole bunch of things in the Locals app now so you can watch the show live within Locals and comment at the same time. And we're, we're working on a whole bunch more. So I know it takes time. A lot of people have asked us about bundling. It's, it's just been extremely complex to do um, technically, but we're working on that as well. Uh, and just, uh, just stay tuned. We're gonna keep doing good things. Uh, appreciate all of you all, all who dropped questions uh, this week. Uh, I cannot do a post-game show today because I got a thing, I got to run. I'll make it up to you next week with some bonus minutes, I promise you. Uh, and we leave you with the elderly man pretending to be president. Have a nice weekend. The number of bullets that go in a magazine. There's no, no need for any of that. I love my right-wing friends who talk about the tree of liberty is water of the blood of patriots. Come here, if you need to work about taking on the federal government, you need some F-15s. You don't need an AR-15. I'm serious. Think about it. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubenreport.locals.com.